So Money episode 28, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to Ask Farnoosh, everyone. This is our chance to connect. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi, host of So Money. Welcome. Welcome and thank you for all the questions that have been streaming through. You guys are fantastic at following directions. I have to say I I, I get annoyed with myself repeating uh, on the podcast every single day, you know, go to somanypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh, send your question, your comment, but uh, it's working. You guys are listening and getting obviously excited to submit your questions. I hope I can get to all the ones that remain from this week today, and if not, there's always next weekend. So without further ado, let's kick it off right here, right now, we have Callie. She says, I've been saving to start a Roth IRA. I'm planning on investing in index funds, but I'm still not sure I entirely understand the structure of a Roth. Is it basically a separate account I use to invest in different options, or is it limited to one type of investment? All right, Callie, so good that you're starting a Roth IRA. I love that. A Roth IRA is an individual retirement account, which lets you make contributions with after-tax dollars. So that's great. The money grows tax-free. The benefits of a Roth are that, as I said, your contributions can grow tax-free. That's one. And you can generally make withdrawals tax and penalty-free after you reach the age of 59 and a half. Now, to answer your question about what a Roth kind of looks like, how your money gets invested. This all depends on where you open the Roth. Now, generally speaking, within that account, you should be able to access a variety of different investments, index funds, ETFs, mutual funds, maybe even individual stocks. This really depends on where you open the account. So if you're interested in index funds, and I'm glad you are, make sure that when you're shopping around for the IRA, you ask the bank, you ask the brokerage, what can I access? You know, what options do I have available to me as far as investing with this Roth IRA? And that's my advice. But I'm glad you're opening up a Roth IRA. It's great for your future. It's a great way to secure your future. Uh, And good luck with that. Let us know how it goes. Celeste writes in, And she says, Farnoosh, I have had someone reach out to me about working for her in her high-end, well-known skincare line out of the blue. She wants me to be in charge of her customer service and social media department, along with any random things that will come up, being that it is a small company growing rapidly. She happened to find me on TaskRabbit. I work full-time making $15 an hour, and I feel very secure in my job. What is something I should request before taking the job? And what questions should I ask, being that I would be leaving a stable job for something new and exciting? My husband is nervous and does not want me to make any big moves. Well, Celeste, first of all, congratulations for getting the job offer. Clearly, you have a great online profile. This woman was, this this employer was interested in hiring you, just not even having had a conversation with you. So it sounds like you have a very compelling online profile. But yes, you don't want to make any any big moves. And I agree with your husband. And I, I wouldn't be nervous, but I would have a lot of questions. I would want to know what this employer is looking for in hiring you. What are the job expectations? Ask her for, specifically, ask her for a statement of work. 
and have her be very specific, outlining the sort of day-to-day responsibilities, short-term and long-term, and get to know the company. I mean, at the end of the day, as I said in an earlier episode of Ask Farnoosh, when I'm hiring, I want to work with people who are enthusiastic, people who love and are passionate about the product or the service. And so if you are yet to be passionate about her company, you just know that it's a it's a well-known company and that's exciting, but do you actually enjoy working there? Could you actually see yourself working there? Are you actually excited about her goals and the products that she wants to put out and the services? And so give yourself time. This is not going to be an overnight decision. You should give yourself at least a few weeks to learn more about the company, communicate with this person often, and ask yourself, do I like my future boss? Very, very important questions. You're not going to have all the answers. You're going to have to ultimately make a leap of faith at some point and accept the job, uh, but not without doing this due diligence. I would want at least a statement of work. I would want to talk to maybe other people at the company who are working there. I know it's exciting, but just take your time and good luck. All right, Sabrina writes in and she says, I'm starting a new job and I have been contributing to my 401k my entire career, but have never rolled it over. Could you explain the benefits of doing this and how to do it once I set up a new 401k account with my new employer? Well, congratulations, Sabrina, on starting that new job and happy to know that you've had this 401k for a while. I'm sure it's pretty robust at this point. So uh, yeah, there are advantages to rolling it over as opposed to having it sit in the existing account with your old 401k manager. Primarily, two advantages I see. One is that uh, you get to take advantage of this new employer's benefits program, 401k program, by rolling it over. Now you can continue to invest in that existing investment. And also, one of the things that people don't realize is that when they don't roll over the 401k and they allow it to sit in an old existing account, you could lose money. If If it's out of sight, it's out of mind. And then you forget about what you're invested in. And then you could lose some of that money because you're in investments that you don't want to be in. Uh, and you might be paying fees for things that you know you shouldn't have to pay fees for. Uh, so rolling it into your new 401k allows you to be more active and to actually see where the money's going. And, and it's easier access. And how you do the rollover is once you start the job, Uh, Once you have a destination now for that new 401k, go back to your old 401k account manager, your sponsor, your benefits manager, and let them know that you want to roll over the account, and they will do that for you. They're going to need the new account's account information, the account number, your social security number. It may take a few days or a week, and it's as simple as that. So once you start your new job, get your 401k set up, and then go back to your old plan and let them know, and they'll do the transfer. And then keep an eye on everything. Make sure that they're you know updating you with the developments and uh, don't lose track because sometimes even with today's rapid fire electronic systems, things get, you know, they fall through the cracks. So just keep an eye on everything. Make sure you know who you're talking to, get their names, get their phone number and follow up if you haven't heard anything. But more often than not, it's a seamless process. All right. Now, Lynn says, how do you know how much to save when you're having your first baby? I'm looking for work at the moment after being laid off mid last year and my husband works full time He's self-employed. I've been helping my husband's business to keep my skills current. Also, we're in our early 40s and we buy our own health insurance. We are trying to figure out if we should just start trying at this moment since time is ticking. We have no credit card debt 
student loans, and a small car loan that'll be paid off in three months. We do have a mortgage, but looking to refinance to cut down expenses. I'm a bit torn on whether to start now or look for a permanent job. Thanks. Well, Lynn, it sounds like you've got a lot on your plate, and you're right. The clock is ticking. Uh, Let's not beat around the bush. I'm a woman. You're a woman. We both know that there is the biological clock, and I also know that there's no quote-unquote perfect time to start a family. There's always going to be something that you wish you didn't have to deal with before having the baby, whether it's, I wish I didn't have to deal with my student loans. I wish I didn't have to deal with looking for a job. I wish I didn't have to deal with, you know, the fact that my bank account is uh, (laughs) weaker than I'd like it to be. But you know, if you really want to have that baby, you know you have to take care of that debt. You know you have to sort of get your ducks in a row. I would say, and, and you know, don't sue me, but I would say start trying. Start trying to have that baby. Maybe that idea of you know becoming parents soon will be the trigger to get you guys to once and for all nip all of your financial baggage in the butt and pay down that debt aggressively, whether it's that car loan or student loans, to be more aggressive with finding work. And I would say that as far as how much it costs to raise a child in this country, uh, I always look to online calculators to see what the latest figures are. And babycenter.com, which actually is a really good resource for new parents and expecting parents, they have done the math. They've done a survey and they asked, what does it cost to raise a child in the first year, just in the first year? And the average figure is about $10,000. Now, if you're living in an urban area, it might be more. If you plan to send your child to daycare, that might be more. If you plan to formula feed, it will be more. So there are a lot of variables to consider, but roughly speaking, it's about $10,000 commitment in that first year. And you mentioned that you and your husband are buying health insurance off the exchange. So very important before you even conceive, I would say, check your insurance to make sure that you have sufficient coverage for things like the delivery in the hospital, prenatal care, because that is probably the most expensive part of having a child if you don't have insurance or you don't have sufficient insurance. I mean, the average hospital stays, you know, it's two nights. It's easily, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars if you don't have insurance. Make sure your insurance is sufficient for having a child. And so, yeah, I would just say go for it because life is too short. You know you want to have a family. You know what you have to do, financially speaking. I think you're coming to me more for reassurance. And I'm just going to echo probably what's already in your head is that you have got to get your debt figure it out. You've got to get that job and start making money. And keep in mind that in that first year alone, you're looking at a $10,000 expense, uh, which includes everything from, you know, gear to medical appointments, potentially uh, formula, childcare, things like that. And what else I would say before I wrap this up is have a big old baby shower. and have a few, you know. I had a couple. I had one in New York. I had one in Pennsylvania with my parents, with my husband's side of the family, and register for a lot of things, things that you might not even think you should register for because maybe they're too personal, like, um, you know, nursing bras or something like that. But just do it because there's one thing that's to be said about having a baby is that the community around you, like, everyone loves babies. Everyone loves 
uh, pregnant women. Everyone loves uh, seeing a pregnant belly. It's just one of those things that instantly puts a smile on people's faces and uh, people are just so inclined to give. And that's something that was so unexpected and uh, that was such a delightful surprise for us when we got pregnant is that people just gave us so many things that we didn't even solicit for, you know? Uh, And so that's something to look forward to. And I would say don't be shy about registering. And if not, and obviously you're not going to get everything off the registry, but if you register at places like Toys R Us and Bed Bath and & Beyond and whatever's left on the registry, sometimes they'll give you a discount to go and finish the, the registry yourself. So that's always good. Good luck to you and your husband. I really wish you all the best, all the joy with this. It can be stressful to think about starting a family when you've got some financial stress, but you know, you've got nine months and more potentially between now and when the baby's born to, to really think about and take action. And uh, let's see, we have one more question here from Ian says, Hi, Farnish. Thank you so much for all that you do, especially with regards to ensuring women's views on finance are heard. It is clear that you have a desire to help others manage money. I'm 23 years old working in claims at a big insurance company. I want to move towards personal financial planning as a future career goal. However, I worry that becoming a CFP can be difficult in a world where the focus can be more on sales, especially with companies pushing bad investments, as opposed to teaching and providing holistic advice to people who need it. Any advice on career paths or steps I can take to ensure I can fulfill being a teacher as opposed to a salesman? Well, Ian, this is this warms my heart. You're 23 years old. I love that you're thinking about your future in this capacity, that you want to help and be a giver and guide people and teach. I think that is so honorable. Thank you for your question. I would say still apply for the CFP. You know, you're working, as you said, in claims at a big insurance company. So your perspective on the financial industry right now is a little jaded. You know, of course, where you're working, the focus is on the sale. The focus is on money, the bottom line. But that is not every financial role in the world. And I think the fact that you are young, that you have all these aspirations, who's to say that you can't just do what you want to do? I think that it's important to still maybe have the credentials if you want to be a teacher and and be a licensed teacher and and actually help people with their investments and and introduce financial concepts in the way that you want to introduce them. Get the certification. I think that'll open doors for you. But to think that you have to conform to a certain way of giving financial advice or that you have to necessarily push products that you're not supportive of, that's just BS. And yeah, there are people who do that, but I know plenty of financial advisors, mine included, that uh, really have a more, as you say, holistic approach to teaching finance, to educating their clients, and to helping their clients. So if you want to do that, you can and you should, and I support you. I would say go and start studying for the CFP, and at the same time, go online and start reading. Read about other financial advisors that that might inspire you. And I, on this podcast, I interview many. There's Brittany Castro. There's Manisha Takor. There's uh, my own financial advisor, Stacey Francis. There's David Bach. There's Rick Edelman. You know, there are all these people that I have actually interviewed on the podcast who are, you know, financial advisors or have licenses, have certifications, and they're doing fabulous work. They're doing life-changing work. And so let those people inspire you. And that's a wrap. That was a short one today because I answered a lot of questions in the previous Ask Farnoosh, but uh, keep your questions coming. I love hearing from you. Just hop on to somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh, and 
send me your question or your comment. I mean, we're I'm, I'm getting some positive feedback and I'm getting some uh, some healthy criticism. So I, I welcome all of it. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We've got a great lineup this week. We have Rachel Cruz tomorrow, who is the daughter of Dave Ramsey and a financial expert and author, New York Times bestselling author. We also have Les Gold, who is the star of Hardcore Pawn on True TV. So lots of fun ahead of us. Thanks so much for joining me today. I hope your day is so money. 